Well, praise the Lord. All right. I got a few ready to praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. It is so good to see everyone here tonight. God is going to do something amazing here. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now the question for this group tonight, have you come in here heavy? Have you come in here heavy laden, overburdened? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What we're going to do in just a few moments is we're going to begin to magnify the Lord. We're going to lift up his name. What's going to happen is there's going to be an anointing that, that steps into this atmosphere. And there is a yoke that is going to be destroyed. And then there's going to be an opportunity, a door open for someone here tonight to take a yoke upon you, to take the yoke of the Lord upon you that you would find rest, that your burdens would be removed. Is anybody in here need the heavy burdens to be removed? You need some yokes to be destroyed. Tonight is the night for you. And if you'll exalt the name of the Lord, he'll visit you and offer you a yoke that will bring rest, that will bring refreshing, that will bring restoring. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to say, Lord, I need you and I want you. I want your yoke. I want your rest. I want your peace in my life. I want your strength. And so tonight, I repent of my sins. I repent of my shortcomings. I repent of my faults and my failures. I repent of what my eyes have seen and what my ears have heard and what my mouth has said. I repent of the things that I don't know that I've done, God, because I need rest. And I want the burdens to be removed from my life, from off my shoulders. I want to be able to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubt. I want to stand in the holy place with clean hands and a pure heart. So purge me. Purge your people tonight from all unrighteousness. Purge your people from everything that's unprofitable for your kingdom. Uh, purge us from every form of carnality and every form of pride. Lord, forgive your people for pride and arrogance. Uh, forgive your people for not doing anything with the grace and the mercy and the love that's been given to them. Lord, forgive us of our transgressions.
as we forgive those. Oh, help us, God. Deal with unforgiveness in our heart. Deal with bitterness in our heart. Oh, deal with iniquity in our life, God. Transform us. Remove the heavy burdens, God. Oh, let your anointing destroy. Destroy the yoke of bondage. Maybe you come in here tonight with bondage you are unaware of. I'm here to tell you that in the presence of the Lord, there's revelation. And God will begin to show you the bondage and offer you a way out. And then offer you a way to find rest and escape from that. If that's you tonight, uh, you better give everything that you have to lifting up the name of Jesus. I release a freedom of worship into this atmosphere in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that there would be a freedom. Let there be a freedom. Oh, that would cause the lips of your people to begin to shout, to begin to praise. That the anointing of your presence would descend in this house. And let your glory fill this house, God. Oh, we know we need it, Lord, but tonight we want it. Tonight we want it. Tonight we want revival. We want to be revived. We want to be restored. We want to walk out of here with the joy of the Holy Ghost. It's time to cast off some heavy burdens today. It's time to cast off doubt. It's time to cast off fear. It's time to cast off unnecessary weights. Oh, it's time to cast it all off. Cast off your anxiety. Cast off your problems. And cast it upon the one who is able to bear it. I encourage you tonight to give God everything. Everything that you have. It's the end of the week. We're thankful to be done with work. And we've come in here with expectation. We've come in here to say, Lord, we need a refreshing. Lord, we need a touch. Fill us until we overflow tonight. I want to leave in the overflow. Anybody want to leave in the overflow tonight? Anybody want to walk out a different door? You came in a certain way, but you're not leaving here a certain way because the anointing and the power of God is going to descend in this house. So we'll encourage you to give your offering to the Lord. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We're going to rejoice tonight for what he's blessed us with financially. We're going to rejoice tonight with what he's blessed us spiritually. Anybody in here alive and remembers when they were dead and their trespasses and sin. But the Lord, but the Lord who was rich in mercy came to your rescue. And so when you present your offering to the Lord, why don't you just, why don't you begin to open your mouth and let praise come out for what God has done in your life and for who he is. He's going to do it. We don't have to try to fabricate it. We don't have to try to make it up and make it happen. Oh, all we have to do is lift up our hands. 
lift up our countenance, lift up our voice, and the Lord will show up because he inhabits the praises of his people. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Why don't you lift up your hands and shout hallelujah. Shout Jesus. Come on, let's declare the name of Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we declare Jesus over every infirmity. Oh, we declare Jesus over every oppression. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you moved the mountain. You told the
What's happening right now is God is already descending on your praise. He's already moving in your situation. He's already come for you to rescue you, to pull you out of the pit that you're in. Now we proclaim in Jesus' name. Oh, the name of Jesus is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and are safe. The name of Jesus brings healing and deliverance. The name of Jesus is unlike any other name in our life, in our understanding that at the name of Jesus, every knee 
every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're not just assembled in a place of religion where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus. Jesus promised to be there. And I believe he's here. I believe he's in this house. Whatever you walked in here with this plate, into this place, you don't have to leave here with it. You have a troubled mind. You got a heavy, a heavy heart. You got heavy, heavy hands. You got illness, disease, affliction, whatever it is. Our God is a healer. And there's nobody like him. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity to step out, come to the front, receive as unto your faith the miracle working power of God. As unto your faith, let it be done. Anyone want to exercise your faith tonight and present your need and say, here it is, Lord, I believe tonight's my night. I believe tonight is my night. Church, let's pray. Ah, somebody would begin to intercede. We're going to lay hands on, on the sick. We're going to lay hands on these who need a touch from heaven, and we're going to pray the prayer of faith. Oh, but we need the saints to intercede.
Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice to the King of glory. Ye ancient doors, open up and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's Jesus. And he's mighty in battle. The everlasting doors. I see the doors flinging open. Uh, we, can, we can look into the spirit and see the throne room. 
and see the access that we have right now to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find help, to find strength, to find what we need. It's in here right now. I would even say the throne room has descended into this house. You don't have to go very far because the presence of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is transforming power. Somebody's leaving here transformed tonight. Not because I said so, but because the Lord has your number. And he knows what you brought into this house. And he knows how to get you to release it and to let it go. To open up your hand and let that thing fall out. He's already destroyed the yoke of bondage. You just need to let go of the chains. You need to let go of what God has already destroyed. The enemy is defeated. We serve a God who is sovereign. The only true and living sovereign God. And his name is Jesus. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. So thankful for his rich presence. I'd say it'd be all right if we just thank him for showing up like he always does. Lord, don't ever let us take it for granted. Treat it lightly. When you show up, when you bring your holy presence into this house, God, let there be such a spirit of reverence for it. Don't let us treat it lightly. God, your faithfulness means something. Your constancy in my life means something, and I refuse to disregard it. I refuse to resist it and not be thankful for it. I'm going to show you the thanksgiving that I have for you by my life, by what I do with my life, by what I do with my efforts, by what I do with what I am pursuing. I'm pursuing him tonight. Anybody pursuing the Lord tonight? I am so thankful to have Brother Zerpoli tonight and how the Lord has been using him as a wonderful testimony and that's been such a joy to be able to sit down and have amazing conversation talk about the things that I like to talk about 
I'm not a hunter. Never hunted a day in my life. I'm not much on mechanics. I'm an electrician because I have to be. And so those are the things I don't like talking about because I've never done any. But what I do know is I like to talk about Jesus. I like to talk about his word. I like to talk. It's on my mind all the time. That's the experience I do have is him, his, his word. And so we're going to hear some of it tonight. The Lord's going to use our brother tonight to speak to our hearts, to speak to right where we are, to encourage, refresh, and whatever, whatever's on the menu. You just dial in, pick what number it is, and say, Lord, this is what I need. Speak to me tonight. Show me tonight. Touch me tonight. I need, I need something. I need something. We're going to have him come and just walk in the spirit, brother. Do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Amen. Amen. We, we scrap programs all the time. So let the Lord use you. I appreciate you. seated if you want to. Lord, have your way. We want God to have his way. Amen. Let's worship him one more song. All my words fall short and I have nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude I could sing these songs as I often do but every song must end and you never do so I throw up my hands praise you again and again cause all that I have is a hallelujah hallelujah and I know it's not much but I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got a one response. I've got just one move with my arms stretched wide. I will worship. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
Lord, I just want to be with you. Oh, yes, Lord, I just want to be with you. One more time we sing, King of glory, oh, King. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Just want to be with you. Amen. I believe I'm in a room tonight full of people that want to be with him. Psalm 24, if you have your Bibles. Amen. So glad to be with this wonderful congregation. High point. Amen. And uh, to be with your wonderful pastor and family. It is our honor. Amen. And I am thankful that I got to meet you in, in late February, and I just believe it was a God thing. And uh, I feel the same, Pastor. I feel connected with you, and I don't care about hunting either. Um, not that it's bad or anything. I just wasn't. I wasn't even raised that way. I was. I'm from Texas, but I'm from Austin, Texas. So uh, <laughs> that's not really Texas if you've ever been there. And, uh, but I do love to talk about the things of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 24 said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation. Hallelujah. This is the generation that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about seeking the face of God. Amen. Seeking the face of God. You can be seated. So excited about what has already happened here tonight and looking forward to more of what God has for us. What a beautiful crowd tonight. Amen. I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. I pray the questions on your mind are answered. I pray there's clarity. I, I pray there's peace. I, I pray there's rest over you. I pray the greatest anointing that you've ever known that you would realize it in your life. Amen. That's what I pray over every individual in this congregation. Amen. I want you to go forth. I want you to be anointed. I want you to do more works, greater works than these shall you do. Amen. It's the will of God. In Exodus chapter 3, we read an account where Moses is standing before the burning bush and uh, the Bible said that he turned aside and when he turned aside, the Lord the Lord began to speak to him, and he's standing there, and the Lord is calling him uh, to deliver his people from the bondage of Egypt, and it's interesting, the back and forth conversation of Moses, he, if you read it closely, Moses didn't ask for a sign, um, but he was wondering, up to this point anyway, in the conversation, uh, I think you got the wrong guy, Lord. And the Lord said, Moses, this is going to be a sign to you. In verse 12 of Exodus chapter 3, he said, this is going to be a sign to you. When you deliver the people out of Egypt, 
You're going to worship me on this mountain. A token, a sign. Now, when you're reading that, as I was reading it one, one day in my daily devotion, I stopped and I scratched my head. And I said, what kind of a sign is that? <laughs> After the fact, Moses, when it's all said and done, you'll worship me on this mountain. Now, that's not the kind of sign that you and I want. When we think of signs, we want to know because signs tell us how to get where we're going. They tell us how fast to go. They kind of tell us a few things before we get there. I'd like to see a sign, Lord. <laughs> but God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Amen. I was in Bangladesh uh, in January of 2020, right before uh, the uh, pandemic hit. And uh, was actually coming back on the plane. And, man, that whole plane was sick. Everybody's coughing all over each other. And uh, so my friends uh, kind of gave me a hard time that I, I brought back the Bangladesh, they call it, or the, <laughs> the start of COVID-19, whatever. But uh, I was there. We were there on a crusade, and, and we saw some amazing things. And there were at least 12,000 people there in attendance. And they estimated in, in, in one moment as the Holy Ghost fell that 7,000 people received the Holy Ghost. They estimated in this uh, two, three-day, three-night uh, crusade that uh, 75 blinded eyes were open, 100 deaf ears were open, 50-something tumors op uh, uh, fell off, 63 paralyzed were healed. Amen. And, and one of the most notable, a couple of the most notable miracles, uh, a friend of mine that was praying didn't... Uh, he, he wasn't dr very dramatic. He just prayed a simple prayer of faith over a baby that some parents held in their arms, and, and uh, one side of his face did not have an ear. My friend just laid his hand on the side of that baby's head and just prayed a simple prayer of faith. Didn't scream, didn't yell, removed his hand, and there was a perfect ear there. Another uh, miracle notable that uh, right before we left, a uh, young child was mute, was deaf, uh, and the first words out of her mouth was the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and we saw many wonderful things there. And on the, on the plane ride back, I was talking to the Lord. Because on that final night, um, half the crowd, perhaps Muslim, the other half Hindu. A lot of these people never heard the name of Jesus. They didn't need a pep rally. They, they only, the preacher only got up there and spoke for maybe 10 minutes and proclaimed the name of Jesus. And these people were so desperate. They were so hungry. It was amazing. It was uh, one of the, the preachers had a, uh, a bottle of water he was shaking and the water was pouring out on each side. And he was just demonstrating what it's like to be filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing. And as it was shaking out on the ground, this is dirt ground there, the people tried to run up and crawl on the ground and take that mud and put it on their face. They were so desperate. They were so hungry for something. It was just amazing the desperation that we saw in that place. And as the, 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 the preacher told us to be ready, there were about 40 of us ministering there. He lined us up all across the front and he said, be ready because when I give the word, I, I just want you to move from the very front all the way through that sea of people 
and I want you to just lay hands on them and don't stop. Just, just, just lay hands and pray and immediately go on to the next person. And like sardines, we're trying to fit through the crowd from the front to you go, go as far back as you can. And they spoke the word of faith and we just laid hands on people. And that's when they uh, estimated that 7,000 people received the Holy Ghost. They had them, uh, they, they counted them as they raised their hands and whatnot. Uh, but on the, on the plane ride back, I was, I was questioning the Lord. And uh, I said, Lord, uh, some of my dearest friends were in that crowd. And I know for a fact that they, that they saw some notable miracles uh, right in front of their eyes. And I said, but uh, I personally did not witness a miracle. I said, now, uh, you know, I was happy to be a part of it, and I'm thankful. And, uh, but personally, I didn't see anything. Now, I'm sure some people got the Holy Ghost um, as I moved through the crowd with them and laid hands on them. But how would I know <laughs> if they got the Holy Ghost or not? And they're speaking in their language. I don't know their language. Perhaps they could be just speaking, you know, who, right? who knows? And I said, I didn't see with my eyes any notable miracle. And the Lord said, it's more important that you know me and that I know you. Now, I know you don't really hear that from an evangelist. You know, that's a, evangelist is not being a very evangelistic. But I'm telling you the truth. I didn't see anything in my own eyes. I didn't experience anything. But we want signs because signs tell us where to go. And we want the power. And sometimes we're even willing to step out of the will of God if it means that we can see a sign. Uh, as long as I can see a miracle, as long as I can witness and be a part of a miracle, a sign, or a wonder, you know, anybody can pay uh, $2,000 or whatever it was, $3,000, I don't know what it was, I can't remember, to go uh, overseas and be a part of a crusade team, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I give glory to God for all of that, and I believe in the power of God and the hunger and the desperation, just easy. It's so easy because these people are so hungry. They don't, they don't need a pep rally. Uh, and I thank God for all of that. But it's easy to just, you know, throw money at it and be able to go overseas and join a crusade team. And, but how many, how many times do we step outside of the will of God? Is that really the will of God for us to do that? Or does God want us to enact his power here? Does God want us to be faithful here? Amen. You see, because flesh is attracted to signs, but God is attracted to faithfulness. See, we desire the dramatic, but God desires our obedience and our, as Pastor said, pursuit of Him. We want God to display His right hand of power, but sometimes God is trying to work on us with His left hand. Amen. And, and we don't like the trials and we don't like the tribulations that come, but God's trying to form us into His character. I believe that some of us in this room need to settle the score in our lives Amen. Finally, officially, we need to settle the score. Are we committed to God or only what God does? Are we committed to God's character or do we only seek God's power? Can we be committed in a dry place? Or are we looking for the green grass somewhere else? Psalm 46 and 10 said, Be still and know that I am God. There's a correlation there. If you are not still, you will never know. 
You've got to be still. We think, of, we think of the will of God a lot of times as going and doing and what's next and what's the will of God for my life. And it's a mystery and it's a, oh, God, you've got huge plans for me. And, of course, we all put ourselves in, in the story of Joseph as a dreamer and, we, and God wants to ri- raise us up and we're going to be popular and we're going to be exalted and we're going to be famous. And that's how we view ourselves in the will of God. Sometimes the will of God is not to go and to do anything but to be still and know that I am God. Sometimes that's the will of God. Oh God. I believe there's a recurring thing that the Lord has been dealing with me about. I want, I'm, I'm coming back looking for a people of faith, a faithful people. Uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's a requirement to even enter in. Amen. Signs are going to attract us, but signs will not keep us. Signs may leave us in awe and wonder, but they're not going to save us. Signs may wow us for a season, but that season is going to be short-lived. At some point in our lives, we've got to understand who God is, not just what God does. He said, I am that I am. Go and tell that Pharaoh, not I do that I do. He said, I am that I am, the self-existent, eternal one, the unchangeable one, the God of the universe, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I do not change. I wonder if he's if he's got of people that will stop seeking the power and that'll stop seeking the signs but instead will put your trust in his word and his word will come to pass whether you see it or not and whether you take part in it or not and whether you're alive to see it or not but the miracle signs and wonders will follow you oh hallelujah Oh, God, we lift our hands to you right now. God, we want to be found faithful. When you're looking, God, for a people, you'll be looking for a faithful people. And regardless, God, of what the circumstance is, and regardless if you're going to deliver me or not, I will not bow my knee to that golden image. I will not bow my knee to this world. Whether God delivers me from the fire or not, I'm still not bowing. Hallelujah. Is there a determination in somebody? Is there a determination in a young person that says whatever it, whatever it costs, come what may, I'm going to live for God. I'm determined to be faithful to the cause of Christ. If you never do another thing for me, God, you've already done enough. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you, if you're sold because of a sign, then that just means you're a cheap sellout. If you're convinced by a sign, it doesn't take much to convince you. But the Antichrist will have you in his clutches in no time. If all that you require is a sign, Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 24, there shall arise false Christs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, I don't want to be seeking you for what you can do. I want to seek you for who you are. Pharaoh's magicians could perform magic tricks too. But all the signs and all the wonders and all the miracles and all the power, all the entertainment in the world cannot satisfy somebody who doesn't believe that God is who he says he is. It take 20 plagues, 30 plagues, it's all right. It's not going to convince Pharaoh any different that God is the I am that I am. And so Pharaoh's heart continues to be hardened because he constantly needs proof that this God of the Israelites is a bigger and better God than he himself. But Pharaoh, if you're not interested in knowing who this God is, then even what God does is not going to convince you. 
If you're not interested in knowing God's heart, then even the works of his mighty hand will not convince you. There's a spirit of Pharaoh, and it's trying to creep its way into our church. But if you're not interested in who God is, don't count on being convinced when God does what he does. It's the very signs that you seek that will bring judgment upon you in the end. Pharaoh, you might wind up doing the will of God. You're going to do the will of God. Every knee will bow. And you will be used of God one way or the other. You'll be an honorable vessel. You'll be dishonorable. But either way, you're going to play right into the hands of Almighty God. And you will bow your knee. You will let God's people go free, Pharaoh, whether you want to or not. You're going to let them go. But ironically, it'll be a sign, a wonder, a miracle that destroys you, Pharaoh. Ironically, it'll be a sign that swallows you up. When that Red Sea settles back in its place, it'll be a sign that got the best of you and led to your ultimate destruction. If all we're seeking is signs, signs will be our judgment. If we consistently need God to show us signs to prove he is who he said he is, it means we can't take him at his word. It means we don't trust he is who he is. Amen. Seeking signs will only satisfy your flesh for a season, and it will only leave you wanting and lusting after more. Feed me. Entertain me. Wow me, God. Show me. Serve me. Do what I ask you to do, God. Uh, come on. We, we can be intoxicated and drunk on signs and not get enough of signs. Can I tell you, God is looking for a church that's going to be delivered of signs. I believe he wants his church to go to the next level. I believe he wants his church to take a stand and to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I believe it's time for all of his church to rise up and to level up from having to be wowed by God to wanting to walk with God instead. God is saying, I don't need my people to predicate your entire life and your entire ministry and your entire uh, existence upon whether or not I provide you a sign. But I need a church in this hour that will take me at my word. God is not obligated to give us a sign. Here's Gideon that's fleecing the Lord. And we talk about fleecing God all the time. If God gives us a sign, that's by his great mercy, but he's not obligated to do it. And we will trap ourselves so quickly if we're waiting on a sign from God before we, before, before we step forward in faith. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 said, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder even comes to pass, whereof he shall speak unto you, saying, Let's go after other gods which you have not known. Let's serve them. You shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proves you. He's, he's going to allow it to happen, to prove you, to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God, fear him, keep his commandments, obey his voice. You shall serve him and cleave to him. But God will allow it to happen. He will allow you to be seduced by signs. Because God would rather you follow a sign to your own destruction than for you to not be in this for him. God would rather you be destroyed following a sign than for you not to really be in this for his heart. No doubt judgment will come on the seducing spirits out there of the world. 
Don't worry about those who are trying to lead others into false doctrine. Don't worry about that. God will take care of them. But we got to be careful that what our appetite is for. We got to make sure I'm not seduced by a sign. God, if you just give me direction. God, if you just give me an answer. God, if you just let me have the gift of miracles. God, if you would just send the preacher to come to me personally and lay his hand on my head and speak a word in my ear, then I'll know. Oh, God. I, uh, 2019 was quite a year. Um, as the Lord was teaching me some things, and I'm grateful for his mercy. I would never, ever want to go through that again or put anybody through that. But I was learning the voice of the Lord, and I was dating somebody, not my wife, somebody else. And uh, it's interesting, I was telling this story in another country just recently, and uh, the, some Sri Lankans were there, and they were listening to me tell the story. And they have their word for dating. <laughs> or, uh, when we say dating, in their minds, their word is an affair. <laughs> I was telling these people in our context, dating, and they were thinking, what's wrong with this preacher? <laughs> Actually, they knew I was American, so they gave me grace because they had been through that before. <laughs> and our word for affair, actually, for them, means dating. So anyway, that was, uh, that was messed up, but uh, funny moment there. And uh, anyway, so I was courting, whatever you want to call it, this, uh, this person. And, and, you know, just because somebody's in the church does not mean that you're equally yoked. Uh, you know, there are, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, and I'm not saying that that's who she was, but there are also people that just do not, they're not going the same direction as you. And, and you, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to just tell you, uh, uh, your relationship with God and what God has called you to do is the most important thing. And God will fulfill your heart's desire if you wait on him. Uh, but, but if you don't wait on him, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot of things. And uh, anyway, I, was, I, I couldn't get peace about the situation and but I had a lot of people, mentors in my life, good people, good, well-meaning people that, uh, that said, uh, marry her. What is wrong with you? You're old. <laughs> She's a good girl. And uh, I'll just tell you, young people, just, just chill out. Just wait. Yeah, just chill. I mean, I was 36 when I got married. You got all the time in your life. I mean, that's 36 in Pentecost is like 150 in dog years, you know. It's like dog, it's like people looking at you like, what is wrong with you? God's going to work it out. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. But don't rush God. Don't push him. Don't ask for signs. So I, I, but I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get to the bottom of hers the only way that I could explain it. And, uh, you know, everything looked good on paper, 
in the relationship. If you have to say that, you need to pump the brakes. You need to stop right there. Because as they say, they, in real life, in sports, they like to say the game's not played on paper. It's played on the field. It's played on the court. It's not played on paper. You can assemble an all-star team. It doesn't mean you're going to win. So if you have to say, though, everything looks good on paper, stop right there. And uh, so I prayed and fasted, and I, I'll be honest with you, I hung on to the relationship too long. And the reason why is because I kept listening to these other voices, good, well-meaning people that, that, uh, that said, you know, what's wrong with you? And so I, I, I decided, well, there, there must be something wrong with me. And so every time I would go to prayer, I would, I would figure, well, I'm just not humble enough yet. And hung on to the relationship thinking that one day I'd just wake up and see it. And that would just snap for me. And it, it would all come together. I prayed and I fasted. I prayed and I fasted. And finally, one day, I just, at the beginning of the summer of 2019, I uh, was talking with a pastor on the East Coast who wanted me to come and and uh, work in the church and be the next pastor. And, and they knew I was dating this person, and they had plans in their mind that would, you know, let's, you know, just get married, come out here, help us, and all this stuff. So this was what was on the table for me in ministry and in relationship. And I thought, okay, I'm tired of waiting. I'm not hearing anything. I'm just going to just go ahead and make the decision. This is what I'm going to do. So because this is, these options are on the table, I'm just going to move forward with these options. That was the beginning of the summer, but with every passing day and passing week, I could not bring myself to uh, ask for a handed marriage. I knew as the days passed, as the weeks passed, I needed to be there yesterday. If this is going to happen, I cannot drag this out anymore, but I could not bring myself. Interestingly, though, when I made the decision, I could see all the signs. I could see the green lights. I could see the go-ahead. In fact, I was in Europe uh, teaching over there, and uh, on the department store uh, music, I heard her name in the song, and I said, that's the will of God. And all the green lights. But I still couldn't pull myself to do what I said I was going to do. Finally, it was the end of the summer. And I was going to break. And I needed to hear from God. And I was in Wisconsin, and I had about eight days until I had to be to the next place in, in Texas. And so I do silly things sometimes. And I like to hike, and I like nature and all that stuff. And so I drove west. I drove far west to see, let's go as far as we can go. Went to Montana, went to Glacier Mountain National Park, and began to hike. And I turned, I turned this phone off. You'd be surprised at how you could hear from God when you turn that distraction off. You'd be surprised how you just turn it off, put it on airplane mode, shove it to the corner, and say it's not important, and nobody who calls or texts is as important as hearing from God. Sometimes you just got to make up your mind. I'm not going to let anything steal my relationship, my prayer time. And God began to talk to me, began to download over those days that I was hiking in the mountains. So much I knew that God was speaking to me. He gave me, gave me a dream. And in that dream, the, in bright, flashing white lights was the verse, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I couldn't remember the, the reference. I looked it up, Psalm 27 and 14. I knew that the Lord was speaking to me, and at the end of those seven, eight days, I knew that God was telling me, you cannot move forward 
with, with what you intend to do in either one of these scenarios. And so I was in Texas. I had a chance to meet with her. She, was, she took it as well as anybody, I guess, could take it. And I said, I'm sorry. I was not trying to lead you on. I just simply uh, was, was trying, to do what, trying to do the best thing I knew how to do. And uh, I couldn't meet with the pastor on the East Coast, but I called him within 24 hours and had, had the same, pretty much the same conversation with both of them. I can't do uh, what I thought I was going to do. And both parties told me, God is not the author of confusion. And that's right. That's what the Bible says. So I went to the Lord in prayer, and I said, Lord, I need you to help me. Why, at the beginning of the summer, did I just make the decision that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this? And, and why did I begin to see the signs and the green lights to go? But, but now so clearly at the end of the summer, I've heard you. And I know that you're telling me, no, you cannot go. And God spoke to me and he said, that's exactly why I told them in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 4, that it is a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. Wicked and adulterous. God said, you prayed and you fasted, you prayed and you fasted, you prayed and you fasted. Folks. You might as well just go eat Chick-fil-A. If you're fasting to twist God's arm and change God's mind, because that ain't the way it works. We fast to get ourselves in alignment with what God is saying and with what God is doing. We don't fast for favor. We don't fast for God to look on us and say, man, you're real spiritual and you're real sacrificial. God don't care about any of that. We fast to get in alignment with God, period. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And God said, although your intention and your motive was good, you wanted my will, you got down on your knees every day. And instead of, instead of asking how my day was going, instead of caring about intimacy with me, you weren't serving me for me. You were serving me for what I could do for you. You were serving me for my will. You were serving me for, the, for direction, for the next step. You weren't serving me for me. Oh, God, have mercy. I could remember distinctly driving down the road and, and really just having a shouting match. Is that, well, God wasn't shouting back, but I was upset. I was angry because I knew the Lord was giving me words for churches. And I knew that they were for the churches to speak to them. But as far as my own personal life, God wouldn't speak to me in my situation. And God said, I'll let you wrestle with it. I could have fired you. I could have kicked you out the door. Some minister you are for me, telling people to love me for me, but you're not doing the same thing. He said, but I let you wrestle with it. I let you, I, I, the only thing that saved your bacon was the fact that you did not have peace in your soul. Because I lead by peace. I don't lead by chaos or confusion. If you're surrendered to God, if everything's on the table, if you're not trying to hide anything, if you're being honest with God, if you're not living in sin, if you're not hiding sin, if you're doing your best to live by the word and the will of God, he's going to lead you by peace every single time. He will not lead you by confusion. And God said the only thing that saved you was the fact that you did not have peace and rest in your soul. But I said they're wicked and adulterous. Why? Because they cheat on intimacy with me. They don't serve me for me. They want the handouts and the goods. God, I want what you got, but I don't care about relationship with you. God, I, I serve you because you're a sugar daddy and how you can serve me, but I don't have any interest in intimacy with you. I don't have any interest in, in serving you out of faithfulness and out of love of, of my heart for you. God said it's wicked and adulterous. You're cheating on me for what I can do for you. 
I wonder if we're living in a generation uh, that's, that's intent on seeking God for who he is and not what he does anymore. God, I don't care if you do another thing for me. Deliver me if you want to or don't. Uh, let me walk through persecution. Let me walk through the valley if you want. I don't care. I love you. I'm going to serve you with my life dying day until I breathe my last breath. I'm going to live for you, God. You've done too much for me. You've been too good for me. Would you lift up your hands right now and say, God, I want to serve you for the right reason. God, I want to be in this for the right reason. I want to endure to the end. Forgive me, God. Wash me, purify me, sanctify me. Oh, God, can I tell you, everybody is in search of something. Some people in the world are seeking relationships. Some seeking the next hit or the next high. Some are seeking acceptance from other people. Some are seeking to be financially wealthy. Some seek the highest college degrees. What are you seeking? Come on, we got to seek. That word seek means in order to find, in order to obtain, in order to get a hold of, to get to the bottom of a matter, to reach a binding resolution. Seek and don't give up until... True seeking is seeking God until. It means to crave. Oh, God. When's the last time you lost your phone? You didn't stop looking for it until you found it, I guarantee you. When's the last time you lost your car keys? You didn't stop searching until you found them. That's what it means to seek after God. This is a generation of them that seek him. Oh, God, we need to get back to seeking God. We got to get back to a prayer room. We got to get back on our face and say, God, I'm looking for you. I don't care about anything else. Come on, is it in your heart? Is it in your soul? Do you want God? Is there something inside of you that says, Lord, I'm going to seek until. Come on, lift those hands right now. Say, God, I'm going to seek you until. I'm not putting you on a clock. I'm not telling you how to do your job. I'm not telling you you got six minutes and then I'm out the door. No, I'm going to seek you until as long as it takes. Oh, God, I want an encounter with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. be seated for a moment that woman came and found him when he was trying to take a break with his disciples he was trying to rest he was trying to take a sabbatical just get away from the crowd but the scripture said she came and found him because she had a devil vexed daughter at home and she began to cry out oh help me oh help me if there's anything you can do help me oh god my daughter's at home and the bible said that jesus ignored her How many times do we stop praying because we feel like Jesus isn't listening? So we say, okay, not today then. I'll get up. Maybe I'll try tomorrow. Maybe I'll try when the Spirit hits me, when it moves me, when I feel the inspiration. Maybe I'll try again sometime later, but not today. When's the last time we kept coming with a heart of faith? This woman kept coming. The Bible said he opened up his mouth and he said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When the disciples came to him and said, hey, send her away. Some commentators believe that the disciples weren't being mean or rude to this lady. They were actually requesting that Jesus would answer her so that she'd get lost. 
And Jesus said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the Bible said, first she's ignored, then she's denied. The Bible said, then she begins to worship him. She said, you know what? Who even cares about my need? I'm going to lift you up. Because I don't know if you understand this yet or not, Jesus, but I'm not going home the same way I came. I'm not going back. If I go back, nothing's changed. So I'm not going back. And whether you deny me, ignore me, all you want, I don't care. I'm going to worship you. When's the last time God told you no and you didn't get offended, but you said, you know what? I'm going to worship. Oh, God. Forget about my problem. I'm going to magnify you. Forget about that answer. I don't, you know, I'm just going to worship you. She didn't even come for herself. We live in an offended generation. And people get offended for other people. And if anybody had a justifiable reason to be offended at Jesus, it would have been this lady who did not come for herself but for her daughter. And we're living in a generation where parents get offended for their kids over nothing, and then you wonder who the parent is. Who's really the adult here in this situation? And if anybody had a justifiable reason to be upset, it would have been this lady. She worshipped. And finally, Jesus said, all right, I got her. Here's the, here's the final knockout. Here's the knockout punch. You'll go away after this. I don't give children's bread and cast it to the dogs. It's not your time. Maybe sometime down the road. How many of us get offended when we're that close to breakthrough? We get offended. We turn around. I can't believe. First, he ignores and he denies And then he embarrasses me. But this lady had something down inside of her that said, I don't care. (laughs) You can't beat them, join them. You know what? You're right, Lord. That's true. But even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Growing up, I had always heard it preached, but I always thought she, you know, just said, yeah, the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. What great faith. But she didn't say the master's table. She said their master's table. She owned him before he owned her. Their master's table. I'll be a dog. That's fine. I'll be your little obedient dog. I don't care. I, I'm not just that dog on the street that's, a, that's, a, that's just excited for you to put food and water on the porch. But I'm just looking for you to crack that door open just a little bit. I'm going to come barging through that door. I'm going to sit under your table. I'm going to be a good little obedient dog. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to live in the house. If I'm going to be a dog, I'll be your dog. (laughs) Come on, I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about a craving. I'm talking about, she said, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know if you understand this yet or not. Jesus, you can do what you want to do. If you tell me to go suck my thumb and sit in the corner, hey, cool. If you don't want to give me a miracle, cool. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to worship you. Come on, somebody. God's looking for somebody that will seek until you find. That will knock until the door is opened. Oh, God, I want to crave you. I want to strive after. I want to beg. I want to require it. That word seek is linked to the word require, as in I'm not leaving until. Oh, God. Paul stood on Mars Hill and said that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him. 
Though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. When we truly seek after something, we require it. And when you require Jesus, guess what? He's required to be there. He's required to show up. He can't help himself. He said, all right, if you mean business, I mean business. Jesus puts it back in your court every single time. You come to him, and he'll give it back to you. He'll say, yeah, you got a need? Well, here here you go. You handle it. Because if you'll take it and you'll walk away with it, you ain't ready for him yet. Oh, God. But if you'll seek until... Those first two disciples in John chapter 1, verse 38 and 39, they're the very first two disciples that Jesus called. And they began following him even before he called them. Jesus turned around and said, what are you seeking? Most important thing on Jesus' mind, what do you seek? They asked, where do you dwell? Jesus said, you pass the test. Come and see Had they answered the question differently, I don't believe they would have been invited. Because it pleases the Lord when we're more concerned about where he dwells than where he is going, than what he is doing, than what he is saying, than his power, than his miraculous. My God, it pleases the Lord when we want to know where do you dwell, God, because that's where I want to be. Oh, God. The first thing on God's mind tonight is is those people that have come, that have come for me. Did they really come for me or what I could do for them? Oh, come on, because without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Seek him. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. There's a difference between praying and seeking. Seeking his face. Oh, God, there's a difference. And now I lay me down to sleep and let me cover all the checklists and seeking the face of God. There's a difference in requiring his presence. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If they made up their mind, they're set on seeking my face. I can't help myself. those hands right now. Come on. Is there anybody in the room that wants to seek him until? Is there anybody in the room that says, I don't care what time it is? Is there anybody in the room that said, I don't care if I go to midnight or past it? I don't care, God. I want to seek the face of God. Oh, God. Oh, God, I know, Lord Jesus. I know, God, that you're talking to your people, uh, a people that know how to pray, a people that know how to engage, a people that know how to activate their faith, a people, God, who hunger after you uh, and who thirst after you. Psalm 10 and 4 said, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Psalm 22 and 26 said, They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. King David, the man after God's own heart, in Psalm 27 and 4 said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And in verse number 8 of the same psalm, he said, Lord, when you said, Seek my family, he said my heart said unto thee thy face Lord will I seek there's nothing else that I want God I want an encounter with you I want your presence Psalm 34 and 10 said they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing Psalm 105 and 4 said seek the Lord in his strength seek his face forevermore 
Proverbs 28, 5 said, They that seek the Lord understand all things. Isaiah 55, 6 said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Jeremiah 29, 13 said, Seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What are you seeking today, saint of God? What if before you had a desire to change the world, you had a desire to fall on your face and seek God? What if before you had a desire to change the church and had all the opinions of what you like and don't like about the church, what if instead you fell on your face and sought God? Oh, God, he's looking for a people that will seek him. I need to wrap up here. God spoke to my heart. He spoke to my heart. And he asked me the question, what was the promise? What did I promise him before I ascended up into heaven? What did I go tell them to wait? Go wait until. Oh, I had the answer. Oh, man, it was coming right out of my mouth. And as soon as I was about to say those words, God stopped me and said, do not say the Holy Ghost. Don't say that. He said, because my people have learned to treat me like a buffet line. And although they are not Trinitarian in their minds, and they know there's one God, sometimes they treat me as if I'm separate. My Holy Ghost is a separate version of me. And they'll walk into my presence and say, God, I need your power. Yeah, God, I need, I don't really care what you're saying today, but I'll tell you what I need. I need a financial miracle. It's like they're at Luby's and they say, hey, yeah, turkey doesn't sound good today, but I'll take the mac and cheese. And they pick off a buffet line. And God said, I was the promise. I said, I will come to you. I will never leave you. Do not say the Holy Ghost. Me. What if you invited me? What if you stopped asking me for what I could do? And what if you just lifted up your hands and surrender and said, God, I'm inviting you. God said, see, because when you let me in the door, I bring everything you need. It's cute because you think you know what you need today. Oh, God, I'm in desperate need of X. Uh, you fill in the blank. God said, you don't even know what you need. I know not only what you need today, but five years from now. 10 years from now, 50 years from now, all you got to do is bring me into the room. And when the Lord steps in, he brings everything you need. Come on, somebody, if you'll seek me, if you'll invite me, stop asking me for what I can do for you. And just let me in. Would you stand with me? I was on my face in the hotel in Tennessee. You ever been there where you knew God was present and you knew God wanted to speak? And I was in that situation. The Lord was in my hotel room and I knew he wanted to speak. It was, it was before a service there in Cookville, Tennessee. I was going to preach that night. Early in the afternoon, my wife wasn't there. She was back home. And I was sitting in that hotel chair and I, and, and I didn't even know what to pray. Ever been there? I didn't know, the, I didn't know what to say. But I knew God wanted to speak. So I was sitting there, 
at the ho- in the hotel chair. And I said, I'll just sit here and, as long as it takes. 30 minutes pass by, an hour passes by, an hour and a half, nothing, nothing. I know God wants to speak. And I don't even know what to say. The only other thing I knew how to do was to get on my face. Now, I'm a germaphobe. <laughs> so getting on your face on a hotel carpet is disgusting. You know, so I played it cute at first, you know. I'll get on my hands and knees. It's almost like the Spirit of God said, no, that, that's not enough. The only thing I left I knew to do was to prostrate myself on the floor. I stretched. I don't even know what I was doing. I was just stretching out. Stretched all the way as far as I could. In the moment that I stretched as far as I could, God downloaded the vision of the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve long years, Scripture said, went to doctor after doctor, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. What a terrible predicament to be in. And that's like some people in the church looking here and there, doing everything in their power, and they're not getting better, and they're not leveling out. I mean, at least level out. But no, Scripture said she grew worse. And God asked me the question. That was for me, and I know he was talking to his body as well. And God said, are you part of the body or are you part of the sickness inside of the body? Because one's going to dry up. One's going to die. And he said, my body's going to rise. And that sickness is going to die. And my body's going to rise to be a testimony of the glory and the power of God. But it takes a made-up mind that finally says, the Bible said, when she heard of Jesus, she determined within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Notice what she did not say. If you'll just touch me, God. Nope. It's not what she said. Oh, God. She said, I'm going to seek. I'm going to find. I don't care who's there. I know it's even against the law for me to be there in a crowd. For me to work my way and touch people. I shouldn't be here. It's against the law. I, I don't care, though. I didn't come for others. I've got to touch him because if I can touch him I know I'll be made whole I don't care what his answer is I don't care I'm going to touch him and God's going to work it out but I'm going to seek him until I wonder if there's somebody in this room that you're tired of the sickness that's plaguing you if you're tired of the addiction of the bondage if you really want an encounter with almighty God and if you'll make up in your mind that sickness is going to die in my life I'm making up my mind I will touch him I will seek him until there's deliverance in this room. There is a breakthrough in this room. When you invite him in, when you seek him, you find him. Come on, when you knock, the door's going to be open. And when God steps into your situation, there's immediate deliverance in this room right now. Somebody's struggling with pornography. Somebody is addicted to pornography. You need to lift up your hands and you need to seek God until it's absolutely crushed and broken under the weight of the glory of God. Somebody's struggling right now. 
now with a hidden and secret sin. If you'll make up your mind tonight, I will stop at nothing. I'm going to seek the face of God. Church, pray. Church, pray. Get a hold of the altar. Get a hold of his garment. Get a hold of God. Come on, seek him and find him while he can yet still be found. Nothing else matters, God. Nothing else matters. Break the back of every hindrance. Break the back of every evil spirit. Every wicked spirit. Break the back of carnality. Break the back of apathy. Break the back of complacency in this hour. Break the back in your children, God, of the enemy that would try to rise up and steal. He's out to steal and kill and destroy. But he will not be successful. I'm going to seek your face until... Come on, come on, no looking around, every hand in the air, every eye closed, everybody seeking God. Seek Him until you find Him. Are you willing to worship? Are you willing to worship until? Are you willing to worship? Are you willing to worship until? Come on, young people. Come on, some of you haven't spoken in tongues in a long time. Some of you haven't broken through in the Spirit in a long time. Lift up your hands. Come on, break through that flesh. Break through that pride. Break through that carnality. Come on, the power of the Lord is present to heal everybody. The power of the Lord is present in this room to heal and to restore.
come on my soul Don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got
Thank you for the richness of his word. And the beauty of his correction. How beautiful are his words. Even when he corrects, those words are beautiful because that means he's still working. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still proving. He's still showing that He's still on the throne and He's still the great God of eternity. He's still mighty to save, mighty to deliver. Mighty to lead us to our destination. He's so mighty. He's so good. 
He's so worthy. And we will seek His face. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep reaching. Keep pressing. Keep cleaving. Keep holding on to Him. With every step that we press, God is chiseling things from our life that do not belong. We're laying, we're actively laying aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Tries to keep us from running the race with patience. Every step, I'm laying things down. God, show it to me and I will lay it down. Search and reveal. Show me the contents of my heart that I can lay them down. That I can lay them down. Luke 24, Jesus was about to ascend into heaven. And he gave, he gave his disciples one last bit of instruction to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued or until they be clothed with power from on high. And they did. They went. They waited. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. They spoke in that heavenly language but it did not end there. The tarry until wasn't just for a moment in time for them to receive the Holy Ghost because when they were born again, they became His. And you read it through the rest of Acts and you see that what they were doing was positioned based by what He was telling them to do. So we, I think as modern day apostolics, we've, we've tarried until, but then we've left it there. Tarry until your life is transformed, until you become instruments of righteousness, until you become a yielded vessel. When I can send Philip into the desert for one person, for one person, and Philip ran and he joined himself to the chariot because he wasn't, he wasn't done tarrying. He hadn't arrived. He didn't leave Pentecost behind. He carried it with him every step of the way. Pentecostals in this hour, what we need is to tarry until we make it home. Tarry until we get to that expected end. Tarry until there's fruit. Tarry until 
others around you see him. Tarry until this mortality will put on immortality. <laughs> I believe there is an awakening in this, in this generation that people who said that one time I received the Holy Ghost uh, hasn't done anything for me. Because the tarrying stopped. We received one suddenly, and that's all we need is the one suddenly. Oh, but what about Paul and Silas in the prison? Who they were tarrying while they were worshiping, and then there was a suddenly. I believe there are more suddenlies for us if we'll continue to tarry, if we'll continue to press, if we'll continue to reach, if we'll continue to be the generation that's seeking his face. I want to seek his face. I want to seek him. I want to seek him more than I ever have. I want him to be in all my thoughts. I want him to be in all my plans. I want him to be in everything, everything. And Lord, I submit to you my plans. And if you don't like them, change them. If you don't like them, change them. Oh, because I'm yours. I'm yours. I don't want to miss it. I want to be faithful. I want to be a good and faithful servant. I want to be a faithful servant who's, av- who's available. I know how easy it is, brother, sister. I know how easy it is for us to get to get a little bit of the Lord on a service and then and then try to live off that for a few days. And then we're wearing thin by the time we come back. Weary and heavy. Listen, I don't want to play games with the Lord. I don't want to play games. want to make it home? Anybody want to make it home? Anybody want to endure to the end? It'd be such a shame to get it, to get so close, to get a few footsteps from home and miss it. I think there are going to be some people that wake up on judgment day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? Did we not show up every Sunday? Did we not show up every Wednesday? Did we not even come to revivals? Did we not pay our tithes and offerings? Did we not do these things? I don't want to do what I want with his name. I want to know him. Even if it means humbling myself living like a dog just so I can be in his presence and be in his house thank you brother for obeying the Lord what a what a word for us to take with us I don't, listen, I, I know it's, 
it's, it's very easy for us to walk out of these doors, talk about what a service it was, and forget what God has done. Because the enemy will snatch that word right out of our hands. If we don't let it get into the deep part of our soil, he's going to snatch it off the surface. Don't let this word just be surface only. Let this, let this word get into the deep part of, of you, into the, for thou desirest truth in the hidden part. Let that truth go down into the hidden part. Let it go down into the inside. Help me to fortify my life with these words. Remember, we're building. We're building with his words. We're building this foundation with his words. Every word that he speaks is to, is to fortify, to tear down, rebuild, and fortify. I believe God is good. Anybody believe God is good? So when God speaks to us, and it sometimes comes across as being harsh, anybody have children that is about to do something wrong and you just spoke out loud and warned them to stay away from whatever it was, whatever danger they were walking to? It's like that's how the Lord has to deal with us sometimes. Watch out! in dangerous place. What a rich and timely word for us. We're going to be feasting on this because it's going to be it's part of our foundation that God is building in our life. We're going to be people that seek His face because now we're becoming aware of what things we have been seeking so change is coming because we've been made aware of, of the replacements that we have put in our life we've replaced God with things we've, we've replaced God with deeds we've replaced him with what, what we want but he is taking things out of our lives that do not belong there. One piece at a time, if that's how he has to do it, one piece at a time. I'm thankful that one piece is gone. Anybody lose something tonight of yourself? Anybody lose something of yourself tonight? And you gain something that you didn't walk in here with? That's what it's going to take to get home. I'm going to lose a little bit more of myself and I'm going to gain a little bit more of him. I'm going to gain a little bit more of him what he expects. Let's love him. Thank him for his presence. Thank him for his anointing. Thank him for not giving up on you. Thank him for the visitation that you have experienced tonight. Why don't you tell him in your own words, Lord, don't ever let me take for granted what we experience in your presence. Let me be 
let me be a vessel that seeks for your use and not mine. For your purpose and not mine. For your will, not mine. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for waiting for us to get to get it. To get understanding. Thank you for showing us. Thank you for revealing to us what we need to see. Help us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to walk with you and not without you. I want to walk with you. Jesus, Jesus. Tomorrow we are going to meet here at 11 o'clock. We're going to go into the city of Winchester. There's a festival going on. There's going to be a lot of people in the streets. There's going to be people from all over. We're not going to have to go look for people. We know where they're going to be. So we're going to go into the city and we're going to look for ways that we can connect to the people that are going to be there. There's going to be a lot of distractions. There's going to be a lot of things to look at, to see, to do. It's going to be all kinds of things. And so we have to maintain a focus of trying to connect to people. So if, if this is, if you want to go out and try to reach the world that you live in, the city that you live in, you want to, you want to come together with us, go out and look for opportunities to pray for people, witness to people, Tell them about Jesus. Not asking anybody to tell them about High Point Apostolic Church. 
2933 Colby Road. It's not what our intentions are. It's to take Jesus to the streets. Learn how to connect to people. Talk to people. Wait for people to open up. God will give us opportunities. Give us opportunities to pray, to speak. If we just get out there say, Lord, what do you want to do? Because that's what I want. I want what you want, Lord. Who do you want to touch? Who do you want to speak to? Who do you want to deliver? Who do you want to fill with your spirit? We're here for you. You called us, and now we're here for you. What do you want to do, Jesus? What do you want to do in this city? Eleven o'clock. We're gonna pray. We're gonna load up in the van. And then we're gonna go downtown. And we're gonna try to do what God has called us to do. It's to reach with love, compassion. So if that's you, meet us here at eleven and uh and we'll load up. Hopefully we need more than just the van. That would be wonderful. It'd be a wonderful problem to have. 11 o'clock, if you can make it, we'll see you there. And uh, if you can't make it, come back Sunday at 11.15. We'll have prayer meeting like we, like we do. And then we'll have our kind of regularly scheduled programming. I say kind of because you know. And uh, we'll just see what the Lord has in store. That's what I want, whatever he has. Amen. I want him. You want him tonight? I want him. All right. I love and appreciate you all. Thank you once again, Brother Joe. Hope you don't mind me calling you Brother Joe. All right. Y'all are dismissed. Uh, in Jesus' name, shake hands, be friendly. Let's, let's keep fighting the good fight of faith. <laughs>